listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. It's good to be with you today. We're starting a new series called Renew Reform. The pandemic has been a time of significant change. When the pandemic first began, there was this sense of sort of realizing that something momentous had happened, getting through it. But speaking to people increasingly as the pandemic has gone on, particularly in Melbourne as we're into a second lockdown, it's been really noticeable the way in which the pandemic has been one of those breaks which have made people rethink many things. There have been multiple pastoral conversations about people who are re-evaluating elements of their life, the pace at which they were operating, people looking at whether there's a new vocational path ahead for them, where to live, what will the future mean. And so this pattern break that we've been in has facilitated changes that are bigger than just related to the pandemic. In some ways, it has stimulated greater change. And one of the changes that people felt was, what does the pandemic mean for that sense that so many, we at Red and others around the church, around the world, had for this sense of renewal that God wanted to do in the world. It's been one of the great themes that we've been preaching into as Red Church. And I've had a number of leaders speak to me who were praying and contending in their movements and churches and also just ordinary people for renewal. And then the pandemic came. And almost the sense of like, did the pandemic stop a sense of renewal that God was uh, you know, moving things towards in the world? And this is something I've been praying into. And really, this series, I think, has sparked out of wanting to communicate something what I feel God is saying at this time, God's heart at this moment. And just in the last couple of weeks, as I prayed to where do we want to preach next, we're going to be going into Advent after this. And there was this space in between the last series where we looked at those three core sort of principles of Abide, Renew, Go, And then Advent, there was this space in between. And as I prayed, I really felt God saying, preach into his heart for this moment, which is for renewal, but also reformation. Renewal, but also reformation. What's the difference? Renewal makes anew. In a sense, renewal or revival blows the breath of God through pre-existing structures and formed lives that have become stayed paralyzed by tradition, doing just what is rote. And then you have this moment, this empowering of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes and may come into a church, a a family, a, a city, a denomination, and bring new life to it. But more and more, what I've realized is that we're in a time where we don't just need the Holy Spirit to breathe through structures that were already existing. But we also have lived in a time where there's been this process of destruction, where many of the structures have fallen down, where lives feel like they've been taken apart. So we don't just need renewal, the breathing of God's holy fire. We also need a reforming, a rebuilding where actually we don't just get, we, we get the fire of renewal, but also we get the reforming of those carriers of God's holy fire. 
The word that often it's most associated when we talk about Reformation is this great moment in church history where Martin Luther uh, in the 1500s, a German monk nailed to the door of the cathedral at Wittenberg, his thesis, these 95 theses was this, this Reformation moment to reform really what he felt was some of the errors of the church. And one of the things that happened at that time was that the Reformation put the hands, uh, put the Bible back in the hands of the people. Before then, the Bibles weren't widely distributed. The word of God had become distanced from the people. It was really just the clergy who could read, who had the scriptures and the people of God, the ordinary laity did not have the word of God in their hands and often not even in their language. Martin Luther translating the Bible into German enabled people to read it in their native language for the first time, in their heart language. And so the first Reformation put the Bible back in the hands of the people. But I feel this Reformation that God is inviting his people into this time is to put the word of God, the Bible, back into the hearts of the people. Psalm 24 Verse four says this, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. I believe at this time, God wants to bring renewal, but for renewal to come, that structure of our hearts being pure needs to happen where God comes and does some inner renovations in our hearts. One of the great problems with the 21st century church, as we've been looking at over the last little period, is that the 21st century church has a mixture in its hearts where what we have been looking at, this way of understanding the human being, understanding that scripture talks of us as human beings having three elements. There is our body which we exist in, which we walk around in and move and enact our will in the world. That's our our flesh. That's our body. Then we have the soul, which is the seat of our personality, our ego, our thoughts, our desires. But then there's the spirit, that part of us which communes with God. And we've talked about over the last few weeks that the word of God comes to divide soul and spirit. And so much of our approach to life is actually not driven by our spirit communicating with God, dwelling with God, communing with God, where we're responsive to what he's saying to us, where our ear is attuned to what he's speaking into our lives and his direction, but actually is driven by our soul, that seat of our intuition, our ego, our desires, our opinions, our ideas. And I think that's true of so much of Christianity in the world. You read a Christian book from 50 years ago and you will be marked at the difference of how differently they saw the world. There is so much more individualism, so much more ego now, so much more, I guess, sense to center God's story around us as the main protagonists in God's story. And when you read books that are decades old, we see a very different interaction with God where humans don't expect to be at the front all of the time. And I believe that one of the things that has come against 
the potential of God moving in the world that God wants to deal with is this sense that our hearts have been places where our soul and our spirit is confused. So God wants a renewal, but he also wants a reformation of our hearts. First Samuel 14 verse 13 is a verse that's directed at the King Saul. King Saul has been placed in authority by God, but King Saul's heart is divided. He is a man who is overrun with his emotions. He's driven by insecurity. He is filled with pride. Does he have a relationship with God? Yes. But in a sense, that soul is at the forefront of how he's leading his people. And it says this in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 14, verse 13. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Saul is finding out here that whilst he still has the throne, whilst he still has the crown, whilst he still has command of a nation, God's mantle, God's communion has actually gone to someone else, someone unlikely, this shepherd boy, David, who doesn't have a crown, does not have a throne, but who in the wilderness places has cultivated a pure heart after God, who in hiddenness has been shaped by God and has that pure heart that God seeks. And I just want to focus on that first few words. But now your kingdom will not endure. As I prayed into this scripture, I have this real sense that God is offering in a sense a warning. That there's a lot about the 21st century church that actually is impressive, that has had advances that we've never seen before in communications, in relevancy, in organization, in efficiency, in learning from some of the best practices in the world, in people who are talented and people who have charisma. But there's a sense where I feel that God is saying, without pure heart, this kingdom will not endure. And one of the things we see throughout revival and the histories of awakenings throughout the history of the church is that sometimes the power and spirit of God will come and it comes like a flash and this flash comes through and people are converted and miracles happen and people are drawn to God. But in a sense, this flash just comes through and it doesn't settle. God's mercy comes, his grace, but it does not transform and it's often followed by backsliding by people then running with that energy into spaces which are unbiblical, following into false teachings. Sometimes there's actually profound outbreakings of sin after there's been a revival moment, as almost the enemy takes that energy and runs it into conflicted territory. So when renewal comes, there also must be reformation. So in a sense, the two work hand in hand. And I, more and more, as I pray and think about what God has done in the world, 
I look back and if God had begun this incredible outpouring of his spirit, like a great awakening in 2019, would it have just been a flash in the pan? Now, I'm not saying God's sovereign moves of grace are actually ineffective. What I am saying is that God knows what he's doing. As I've said, almost every week since the pandemic, I don't believe God caused this pandemic. But what I do believe is that he's using it. And as I prayed and digged into the scriptures and listened to the spirit, I actually believe that this time is actually a time of reformation. Reformation of our hearts because God is determined to see his kingdom endure and he's determined, I believe, to have a move in the world, but it can't just be another flash in the pan that springs up somewhere and there's this moment and a bunch of people have fantastic experiences, but then it disappears. The great renewal that God needs to do in the world where churches like Red and churches across Melbourne and churches across our nation and churches across the world in this time of great pushback against the gospel of Jesus Christ, this needs to be a move that endures. The kingdom of fleshly, soul-driven Christianity cannot endure. Christianity based on individualism cannot endure. Christianity based on the boom and bust market of human feelings and emotions alone cannot endure. A Christianity based on a pleasing of what your desires of your soul are and using Jesus as the carrier to deliver that where God is some kind of cosmic butler cannot endure. And I believe that in the midst of a pandemic, that this has actually been allowed to happen. We have been paused and we have been stopped and all the things that we're usually able to do, we have not been able to do. And I believe in the midst of that, it's a reformation. And what Martin Luther did in the first reformation is he went to Wittenberg and he nailed his thesis. And the thesis that he wrote out, these 95 points, were how the church could move from being this place which was asking for indulgences for people who were dead in purgatory, which in a sense had become spiritually and economically corrupted. And Martin Luther at that point went and said, no more. No more. And when he hammered in that nail, each of those hammers was a statement of intent. And I believe at this moment in the midst of the pandemic, when people feel paralyzed, we almost, some people almost talk about a kind of spiritual block that's occurring. I think we need to open our ears and hear the ringing of a hammer in the world. But what's being hammered is not a thesis in medieval Europe to a cathedral door. There's actually a hammering that's hammering on the hearts of God's people at this moment. And there's a new thesis that's being put on our hearts. And it's not Martin Luther's season. This is actually the word of God, where God wants to reshape hearts, where God's word is going to divide soul and spirit. Now, what's really interesting is the second part of that verse. After it says, the kingdom will not endure. And I have to be honest, at this moment in the world, we are seeing some Christian leaders, in a sense, lose their minds. There is a sense where the politicization of Christianity, the buying into all kinds of agendas and ideologies on all spectrums of the political scale have actually seen some Christians at the moment seemingly lose their nerve. 
And it's painful to actually read about Christian leaders who I've looked at who have not finished well, who have finished not well in terms of what their actual beliefs are, but even have had moral failings. The kingdom won't endure if it's based on the self, on the ego, on fleshly Christianity. And so the second part of the verse is when that kingdom won't endure, it actually says then the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. At those moments when our heart breaks, when we sometimes look at the state of the church, when we see corruption, moral failings, judgmentalism, irreligion, polarization, people going into areas of false teaching, when the gospel's forgotten, when the Bible's ignored or the Bible's contorted to fit a particular political point of view. At that moment, we need to remember that what God does is God goes out into the world and his spirit searches. And just as his spirit searched over the unformed waters at the beginning of the soul story of the Bible, his spirit is going out now. And where is his spirit going? His spirit is going out to seek out men and women with hearts after God. Auntie Kendall says this. Today, God looks over the world he created and he sees it in turmoil, inhabited by people who are filled with pride. And he seeks men and women after his own heart who will do his bidding. He goes into hospitals, into offices and factories and asks, is there anybody here who will do everything I want him to do. He goes into homes, into schools and colleges and asks, is there anybody here who will do everything I ask? At this moment in the world, I believe that God has allowed a gigantic pause button. We cannot operate in the way that we normally can. And I believe the second part of that is The first part is it opens up, as we've talked about before, a crisis and crisis precedes renewal. But also it opens up the possibility of a reformation of his church at this moment. Where the rebuilding of his living temple in the world will be built upon the bricks of the construction and the rebuilding of his church are built with pure hearts who seek God. And we need to realize just that biblical imagery that we get there in the book of Samuel, that actually it's not in the gilded palaces that God is looking. It's not in the most obvious places and the best schools of leadership. It's not the people at the highest points where you would expect charisma and talent to emanate from. Because in the upside down kingdom, those things often become buttresses and factories of pride and flesh and soulish Christianity, as Watchman Nee would call it. He's out in the wilderness. He's out looking at this young man whose only friends are sheep whose school is actually the quiet places and the Psalms that we see in the scriptures are written as David spends time isolated, alone, fighting off wild beasts, 
having private victories before the public victories that will come. And so there is a reformation happening in the world at the moment where the spirit is hovering out in quiet places, in lockdowns, I believe, all over the world, in lockdowns in our city, in people in our church, who in the midst of isolation and frustration of 2020 seemingly being thrown out of all our expectations, the spirit is hovering and looking for people after his own hearts. In Acts 13, verse 22, which recounts the story of God finding David. It says this, God testified. I love that. God testifying. We often think of ourselves testifying. Testifying is sharing a faith-building spiritual story. Here, God is testifying. This is a faith-building story. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, the one who they passed over to give the kingship because he was the most unlikely. A man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Renewal and reformation comes to facilitate obedience. Fleshly Christianity is taking some of the consolation or even the potential of what Christianity seems like, but the self is still in control. What this is talking about, the reformation that we're being invited into, is an alignment of our hearts with God's heart, where our spirit is communing with him, our soul, which is not all bad. It's good to have uh, a sense of individuality, to know our unique calling in the world. Each of you has been created differently. Just as your thumbprints are different, your personalities are different, your gifts and talents, experiences, you are a unique being. But God wants that to be in alignment with him so that can be released in the world. And so people are in alignment, whose spirit is communing with God's spirit, whose soul, ego, personality, Desires are now aligned with God's desires. Our hearts are set after his heart. And when that's in alignment, then our body, our words, our actions can then be the distributor of God's will in the world. The reformation has to come so we can be carriers in alignment with our ears attuned to the Father and his plans to renew this world. We need renewal, but we need a reformation. At this moment where there are so many unseen in history, promises and off-ramps and alluring stories and seductions delivered right to your phone, calling you to a thousand other false gospels. At this moment, God is seeking the holy, the hungry, and the humble the people after his heart for a reformation where finally he writes the words of God on our hearts and we will be a people marked and ready to be released and to be used by him. So what this series will be, we're going to look at different ways where I think God wants to reform our hearts in this time, in this pause moment. And lockdown's frustrating. People in Victoria like want to know what the next release of what needs to happen next is. And we've gone from five kilometers to 25 kilometers. We want more. 
But I also think in the midst of this, don't miss out on the reformation of our hearts that's happening. Let me pray. God, we, we sense the opportunity. We sense the unprecedented nature of what's going on. Father, we also can look with despair at what's happening in the world, in the world, but sadly also the church. We recognize the flesh that's coming to the church and we don't just stand and point at a distance. We bring that finger of, 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 of I guess, discernment back on ourselves and realize that, yeah, it's also in us. That we've confused soul and spirit. Father, we don't want to be part of a kingdom that cannot endure because its power source is connected to earthly things, to the self. God, we want to be part of that reformation you want to do in the world. First, reforming our hearts, which will then have flow-on effects to our relationships, our families, our friends, our households, our neighborhoods, our city, our churches, our schools, our businesses, and beyond into the world. But first, we just want to put our hand up and say, here I am. As your spirit hovers, looking after those who are heart-seeking after you. We don't have to do it. We don't have to be perfect. Even if literally we've come to this point in time and gone literally till five minutes ago, my heart did not align with your heart, but I want you. We recognize that this is only something you can do. This is an act of grace. So I just pray that your Holy Spirit comes now. Come into our hearts. Reform our hearts. Get that skip on the, on the footpath. Take out the junk that you want to take out, God, and fill us. Remake us, renovate us. Go full backyard blitz on our hearts, we ask Jesus at this point in time. We want to be part of the next thing that you're doing in the world. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.